hey man, just go play. If you love it, work hard, like work harder than everybody and just block all the noise. And I, I think that really helped me kind of mature as a golfer a little bit faster is I was just always told to block out the noise. And that's something that a lot of, that a lot of kids don't really learn until they're our age. <laughs> We appreciate you taking the time to join us, Chip. We know kind of your background. Uh, you've played a lot of golf and a lot of good golf. Played at UK, um, played some on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry, PGA Tour Canada, etc. But before we kind of get into that, I want to kind of go back a little bit to where you started. Tell us about how you got into the game of golf. Well, I have an older brother who kind of started a little bit before me, and and we both kind of got started from our dad. He, he didn't play golf when he was my age, getting close to 30. So that's about when he started is when he was 30. Um, he thought golf was not a manly sport like most, like most kids and people he grew up with. Um, but then he just started playing. There was a nine hole golf course built in Manchester where I'm from. And he started playing and he just, fell in love with it, wanted both of his kids to play. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he pushed us because, you know, I mean, he was kind of a redneck. He likes to hunt and fish and all that. And I'm sure, sure he would have been fine taking us to do stuff like that growing up. But for some reason, both of us just wanted to play golf instead of, instead of do stuff like that. So, I mean, really, it's not like a crazy, not like a crazy sentimental story or whatever, but that that's kind of how we both got started. And so you played on that nine hole course growing up. When did you start thinking, you know, Hey, like not just, I like this game, but Hey, I want to be pretty good at this game. And when did you start playing in tournaments? I think I played in my first tournament when I was seven or seven or eight years old or something like that. But I only played like one or two for that summer and then the summer, you know, a couple summers after that, because I was, you know, playing little league baseball and, you know, stuff like that stuff that kids do the summer that I was 10 years old, I played like some, some Pepsi tour events and, you know, stuff like that. Um, never really won anything. So I wouldn't say then, but then the, uh, but then the next year when I was 11, I started playing on the Muscleman Dunn Tour. I think it's called something else now, if it still exists. I was playing with these uh, two twins, Kevin and Stephen Klein, a lot, which I'm sure you guys probably both know. Um, and they were really freaking good. <laughs> you know, they were just so much more advanced than than anyone they played against in the short game and how they managed their game and stuff like that. And I would say that those those two players alone kind of pushed me and inspired me to kind of get into it. Cause I was like, wow, I want to be like them. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be that good. So that was probably the first dose of like, you know, Hey, I, I want to do this more than just, you know, every now and then. So like once you saw, you know, that example of a really good player at that time and you said, you know, I want to be really good. What were some of those early steps that you took to become better? Um, I, the first step I took at, 
at that point was just playing more tournament golf. Like I played, you know, I wasn't even sure how many tournaments I was going to play that year. I ended up playing like the most you could play, like eight or 10 or, or whatever it was. The next, you know, the next year, the next couple of summers after that, I did the same thing. I, you know, maxed out that tour and maxed out the Pepsi tour, you know, and I think I maybe even tried to play in like the, the junior PGA championship qualifier where I'm 12 years old playing from the back tees. Shouldn't even be playing, but like I, like that was the first step I took was just playing tournament golf and just getting, getting the reps and stuff like that. And you progress pretty quickly, rel- relatively speaking, um, from the outside looking in, because by I think 2011, in 2011, you won the Kentucky State Junior, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And then also, I think you won in 2012 and 2013. So you won three straight years of that, which is very impressive and also uh, a, a tough thing to do. Tell us a little bit about how you feel like you got to that stage and what it was like when you got there and you're like, Hey, like I'm winning some of these, um, what would be one of the bigger events in Kentucky. Everybody, everybody that would kind of see me play as a young kid would kind of try to hype me up and, and, you know, say, you know, Hey, you, you have, you have it, you know, you, you have the talent, you know, you have it. And I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't really believe him. I think my dad kind of preferred it that way. He, he always told, he always told me, like in basketball, baseball, and golf, like, you know, hey, man, Michael Jordan always said, don't believe your press clippings. And, I mean, Michael Jordan's the best basketball player ever. So, I mean, I can't be like, you know, Dad, that that's bull crap. <laughs> you know? So that was just kind of kind of what it was. I mean, obviously, I had some God-given talent that I didn't have any control over. Um, but I, having him around me to kind of keep me grounded and just be like, Hey man, just go play. If you love it, work hard, like work harder than everybody and just block all the noise. And I, I think that really helped me kind of mature as a golfer a little bit faster is I was just always told to block out the noise. And that's something that a lot of, that a lot of kids don't really learn until they're our age. (laughs) I mean, you weren't only just a good golfer in high school. You were also a all-state basketball player how do you think that helped you in your golf career and did you have people telling you to just focus on golf surprisingly no like my like my family my friends um and everyone around the community like they they pushed me to to do both I, I, it, it really did help me um it, it first of all it gave me a break like you know it gave me the the four or five month break that i kind of needed as a kid to you know, at the end of the basketball season, I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to get back out on the golf course. Like I was hungry to do it again. And then second of all, I just, I think it just made me a better athlete, um, which is, which is something that I had an advantage over most, most kids that I played against is just, I could kind of hit shots that they could. And I, I definitely think basketball helped with that. So as you're wrapping up your high school career, I think 2013, you won the not just the Kentucky Junior Am. I think you also won the Kentucky State Am, and you were also the winner of the Junior PGA that year as well. So that's that's getting towards the close of high school. You ended up going to play at the University of Kentucky. Tell us how you figured that you wanted. What made you figure out that you wanted to go play at 
UK and what kind of drew you there? So my, my brother actually ended up going there and he had been recruited by, by coach Brian Craig beforehand. So I got a little bit of a taste of, of what that looked like and what he was all about. You know, he was, he just kind of lucked into being the first, the first person to recruit me. Um, even though he wasn't really recruiting me. So I think that helped a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think he had the biggest influence as far as my decision to go to UK. I mean, I would go to some junior tournaments and, you know, I would have, um, you know, some other teams looking at me. Like I had a pretty good relationship with the assistant coach at Georgia at the time. Mike McGraw at Oklahoma State would always come out and watch me. I mean, he ended up, you know, leaving there and, uh, and going to Baylor. And I, I didn't really talk to him after after that leave because I think I was already committed. But you know that that's really the only reason why I went to UK. I mean, you know, you, I still got to play great golf, SEC caliber golf, and I you know I knew guys that were going to be on the team, and I just felt like it was the best place for me as a person while still having you know all the facilities and all the and all the golf stuff you know that I felt like I needed to to be great. And you came in at UK and started playing immediately as a freshman. I think you played 11 tournaments your freshman year. Tell us about what that transition was like from high school and junior golf to playing in college golf and those, and against that skill level. Yeah. So I I think that summer that you were just talking about in, in 2013 was big for that because you know, there's still a little bit of doubt of like, you know, can you play with the big boys? But then I won an amateur tournament that, you know, had, you know, guys from from all over the state, college guys, good mid-end players. And, um, you know, that, that gave me a lot of confidence going in. And then also, I I think the same summer I won the junior, the junior PGA championship that had, you know, guys that were going to Oklahoma, Auburn, you know, all those places into it. So I think that summer gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, I, I should be able to play here. And I didn't go in thinking I was better than everyone on the team or anything like that. Like I was thrown into the six or seven round qualifier, just like everybody else. And, you know, I think I just put my head down and, and plotted away and, and ended up winning it. So after that, I guess I just kind of, took what I had learned as a kid, you know, blocking out all the noise and just work hard and put your head down and, and, you know, all that, and just didn't really worry about all the other stuff. Did you notice any um, more challenges when it came to playing college golf? You know, you have a lot more to deal with, with classes, workouts, um, relationships, you know, you're living away from home as well. Was that transition easy for you or did you have to balance things outside of golf? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot. And and that's what I talk about with a lot of kids that I, that I have that I deal with now. Um, I know the, the first week I got on campus, you know, I'm expecting like, you know, you move in and, you know, chill out for a few days and kind of ease your way into it. And it's like, no, like the first three days was like, you know, meeting with this person, meeting with this per- person, compliance meeting, physicals, um, and then, oh, yeah, practice starts tomorrow and class. So, you know, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was easy, but I, I quickly learned that you had to be on top of things um, at, at all times. Um, I think my first day of class, I was like, couldn't find a class, was lost. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the, the very first part of it was, was definitely hard, but 
you know, I had I had good coaches, good teammates, good athlete, good administration in the athletic department to help with stuff like that. And I, you know, I I wasn't hesitant to ask them for help, and they weren't hesitant to help me. So I think that was really big in dealing with the transition. How do you feel like you developed as a player while at UK? As you said, you came in and started playing immediately. You know, earning your spot through qualifying. And then pretty much throughout the rest of your career, you were a mainstay as a starter and um, not just not just playing good, but also continued to play better. I think by your junior year or senior year, one of those times you had only you only finished out of the top 25 in a tournament one time, which is impressive. What do you think being at UK or what do you think college helped you do to improve your game? Um, the, the resources that we had were just so much better than than anything I'd ever been accustomed to or even or even dreamed of i mean it, it's it's fairly simple <laughs> i mean you, you go there you know everything's laid out for you you have you know you have track man you have private range you have good range balls you have two putting greens that you know are anywhere from a 11 to 13 on the step meter every given day um i mean it was just it was up to me and, you know, it was, it was up to me to work hard. It was up to me to work smart. It was up for me to to ask Coach Craig for advice when he was willing to give it. And, uh, you know, he did a really good job of, you know, every few weeks or so checking in with us, you know, making sure we're sticking to our plan to get better, um, adjusting the plan if you need to, looking at stats, you know, all that stuff. Um, I, I guess long story short, I just – you know, utilize the resources I had, or at least tried to in the, in the best way possible. And I had people around me that did the same. I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, all those things that you were able to use to help you like track man, um, and, and all the practice facilities that you had. I think it's can be hard for some people to balance, um, all of those tools and not get bogged down in the mechanics of it, especially if you're not used to using that stuff all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you balance, you know, using it in the right way? And did you have a coach that you worked with to help you do this? Or, you know, were you kind of more so on your own? I never, I didn't really have a swing coach until I was a pro. But I, but I feel like, I feel like that was Coach Craig, Coach Craig's greatest asset was, for lack of a better term, dumbing down the information and the, and the stuff that you need because, you know, I mean, a, a track man has so much stuff on it and just, you know, him um, making it clear from the start of the stuff that you need to work on, you know, doing combines, doing, you know, wedge tests, focusing on, you know, your distance control with it rather than, you know, getting into all the spin rates and the, you know, the smash factors and all the, and all the, you know, quote unquote fun stuff that's on there. Um and just being and just being consistent with it, you know, you know, it's one thing to use a track man, you know, every now and then, or you know, do it one time, you know, do a combine one time, and feel like you got something done. But it's, you just have to you have to be consistent with it. When playing in college, as we said, you played really good for the most part, and were very very consistent. But I'm sure you had some downtime sometimes. You're like, man, I wish I would have played better. Are there any that kind of stick out to you? And what did you learn from those experiences? 
there's one in particular that sticks out. It was the first tournament of the spring, my senior year in Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, I kind of been thinking in the back of my mind about the future and turning pro and all that. And, uh, you know, felt like I had been working on the right things for the past couple months, played really good in the practice trip. We just got, just got back from and all that. And the first tournament I was like, I don't even know. I think I was dead last. I mean, I know I shot over 80, at least two of the rounds, maybe all three. I don't even really remember, but you know, it was just kind of like a, it was, it was a tough time because I felt like I deserved to play better. Um, But I didn't, I mean, I just played horrible. Like everything was bad. And, um, you know, I kind of came back and, and talked to Coach Craig about it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was a pretty dark place. And, you know, I remember him saying, like, you know, you're a gamer. I'm not worried about it um, and stuff like that. And just, you know, for him to have confidence in me when I played so poorly individually, played so poorly for the team, um, I think that really helped me get back on my feet. And then I, I think I played, I think I played pretty well in the next tournament and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that I, I, I obviously owe a lot of my golf career to him. I talk about him every question, but um, I just think dealing with stuff like that, he is, he's really good at. That's an interesting story. And I honestly wasn't um, aware, you know, that you had those struggles in your senior year. Cause when I was looking at your senior year, you know, I saw some really good results. And there's a story about the NCAA regionals that year that I'd like you to tell um, because I've heard it told a few times. So why don't you go in and talk about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to assume you're talking about the 18th hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. Um, Coach Craig could probably tell it the best, but I'll, I'll try to tell it like he does. Um, I had just made like a 15 footer for par on the last hole on hole 17. And, uh, I kind of been leaderboard watching, you know, new old miss was ahead of us or, or something like that. It was weird. Like I saw it on 12 and we were kind of out of it. And then on 15, all of a sudden we were a shot back or, or something like that. Like we were all of a sudden in it. And, uh, I hit a drive on 18 and it kind of draws around the corner, catches the speed slot and gets way down there. So I'm, I'm walking up the fairway and, uh, I can just, I can feel the buzz. Like something's going on because coach Craig's in the fairway and I meet up with him and he's, and I'm like, I'm like, man, like what's going on? And he's like, he's like, all I'm going to tell, all I'm going to tell you is we're fine. You know, we're fine. Just do you. And I look him straight in the eye and I'm like, coach, I don't want any bullshit. Like, what is going on? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, we're in fifth place, one shot up. And I was like, I was like, okay, so if I par this hole, we get through. And he's like, par gets us through. And then I hit it, you know, go through the number and all that. And um, I hit it and, it and it looks good and it lands right next to the pin. And I couldn't even really see it, but I guess it went in and everyone starts going, going nuts. And I like black out, 
pick up the bag and just start running. Like the guy I'm playing with tries to give me a fist pump and I just like blow by him, like just complete blackout mode. And uh, it was weird. There was like a bridge up to the green over a little creek or something. So they couldn't even like they stopped at the end of the bridge. Like it ended up being like a typical like awkward golf celebration or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's what that's that's pretty much all I remember about it. When your coach tells you that you just got to make a par to get through what that for most people that might be like creating some pressure. And it sounds like that's something that you're comfortable with. You're comfortable looking at the leaderboard. You're comfortable hearing about where you're at. So when your coach tells you that, like what kind of nerves does it create? Do you get any, do you get any nerves? And when you do get nerves, how do you kind of deal with it? Oh yeah. I get, I get nervous. I get nervous all the time, man. And, And anyone that doesn't, I feel like they're not telling the truth. I had a grade school basketball coach tell me one time, it's okay to be nervous, but it's not okay to be scared. And he would always tell us that. And I don't, that's just kind of how I've always done it. Like I've always felt the nerves, felt the shakes and all that, you know, first tee, I still get it most of the time. Um, But I guess just believing that it's okay to be nervous and just trusting your preparation and the work that you've put in. I know it probably sounds cliche, but like if anyone has a better way to deal with it, I'm all ears. Trusting your preparation is probably the best way that I know of because, as you said, the rest of the people who say they don't feel it probably lie, probably lying or lying to themselves, if not everyone else. So when it comes to that preparation for you that makes you feel confident, what what do you do to prepare for a golf tournament? When you were in college, what did you do individually and what did you do as a team to make sure that going into that round that you were as well set up as you could be? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was a little bit of an information freak. So I, you know, I like to know, you know, all the information, um, writing stuff down in the book, you know, try to prepare for every shot imaginable. You know, I would always, um, you know, chip from, chip from different spots, putt from different spots. I can't remember who said it, but I just heard not too long ago that the op- the opposite of fear is action. So I feel like a lot of people, you know, that don't prepare they unconsciously or consciously get scared during the tournament. The action that I always tried to uh, to battle that with was just just working hard. <laughs> I mean, putting in the time because um, I just I just kind of believe if you if you put in the time, especially the right way, like you know the golf gods will be on your side most of the time. It's obviously not going to work all the time. I mean, this game is this game's hard and it's crazy. And it's, you know, that's why it's the best game. That's why it's the greatest game ever played. But, you know, I just think, you know, putting in the time, doing everything right, and just letting the ball does what it does from there. That's interesting, you know, that you say you're an information freak and you're trying to um, get every little detail when you're in a practice round because I think most people would look at you and say, you know, he grew up on a nine-hole course. He's a field player. You know, he's just kind of – is a natural player. He doesn't really do any of that stuff, but how did that process evolve? Um, and when did you, was there a time when you were kind of stuck with practice rounds? You didn't know how to handle them. And then how did you get to a point where, you know, I know what I'm doing. I need to write these things down. I need to do these things. And what are those things? Yeah. So, so growing up as a junior golfer, I was pretty much a field player. Um, you know, when I, 
when I practiced, uh, when I did a practice round, you know, just played, you know, that's, that's about it. I didn't really keep score in the practice round. Just kind of, I just always thought it was a superstitious thing, but then I just, I got to college and, you know, you know, had, had all these resources, you know, at my disposal, um, you know, coach, coach Craig has a million players that are better than the three of us and him combined. Um, and he was a pretty good player in his heyday, but, you know, he, but he would all the time, you know, advise us or suggest stuff to write in books or stuff to think about. And then he would always kind of try to tie it into someone that we may know that was a really good player. So there's, there's all kinds of stuff like, you know, I mean, when I was a junior golfer, I didn't even, I didn't even write down the, the slope like from the tee boxes or, you know, in the fairway and stuff like that. And now I couldn't imagine not having that. Um, so, you know, just stuff like that, just run, just run off, off the green, you know, slopes, slopes off the tee on the tee shot, slopes into the greens. Um, even, you know, even certain slopes in the greens, um, you know, angles of the greens where, you know, the green, you know, the green depth is 40, but, you know, where this pin is, it cuts off at 25, you know, so, you know, you technically don't have, you know, you don't have 40 yards of green depth to work with. Just, just all kinds of stuff like that, you know, that, that pros would, every pro puts that in their book in some way, shape or form. And I think, you know, I think Coach Craig, knowing a lot of professional golfers like Chris DeMarco was a big one. He played college with him. Um, he would he would tell us a lot of advice and stuff like that and say, yeah, you know, DeMarco used to do this. And if it wasn't for Tiger, he would have two majors. So do it if you want. But, <laughs> you know, so I think that was a big thing. And um, it kind of clicked with me because of that. Like, oh, players that are players that I want to be and players that are better than me do that. Yeah, it sounds like. Coach Craig has a lot of insight. And when guys are friends with and work with people who have played at the highest level, there's always something special. It sounds like Coach Craig, you know, as you said, it was an important part of your college development. Tell us a little bit more about kind of the role that he played for you developing in college. And then even after college, I imagine you kept in touch with him. Yeah, yeah, I did for sure. He He's just a great communicator. You know, he, he has – all this information in his head that he's got from personal experiences from Buddy Alexander, his college coach of Florida, legendary college coach. Um, and, you know, all the players he played with at Florida, all the players he played with on, you know, on the mini tours that ended up making it. And even the ones that didn't end up making it. I mean, he just, he has all these connections and information, which is great. But if you don't know how to communicate that to, to young to young kids, you know, it's, um, uh, like I say, it's useless, but you know, it's, it's not as useful as it can be. And, and he was, just, he's just a world-class communicator. And I feel like anyone that knows, that knows him would tell you that. And he, and he's also, he's also very approachable. Like I would, you know, ask him to sit and chat for a little bit about, you know, anything in the world, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? Would, would this help my game? And he'd be like, uh, you know, maybe, but why don't you look at it like this? And then it would just kind of click, you know? Um, so he has, he has so many different perspectives on things 
and he's great at communicating those perspectives to kids. That's cool to hear because I don't. I've talked with Coach Craig once or twice, but you don't really learn that. Despite being from Lexington, being from Kentucky, you know kind of his pedigree a little bit, but you don't really know that much about him unless you get to interact with him. And a lot of the general consensus among college players, not always, but among college players, most college players to one degree or another think their coach is stupid or think their coach isn't as smart as them. Uh, and that's part, that's part of the, one of the blessings and the curses of being uh, a young male. But uh, it's, it's cool to hear how he, you know, he was able to overcome that, like that bias that every player has and kind of speak truth into your life and really kind of, uh, help guide you when a lot of guys wouldn't have been able to listen or wouldn't have wanted to listen. So you said that when you went pro, like a lot of the pros, you know, like every yardage book has, you know, slope in there, et cetera. Did you always know before we get kind of your pro career, did you always know that you wanted to go play professionally or was there ever, were there any, ever any thoughts that, Hey, I might want to do something else. Yeah, I I felt like I always wanted to, you know. I just I I grew up watching Tiger and just how fun he made golf, you know. I I I wanted to be that. Um, I remember my I remember my freshman year of college. We had a little questionnaire that all the freshmen do, and uh, the first question was like, "What do you dream of in golf?" and and Coach Craig is like, "Now this doesn't have to be like something that's attainable. Like it can be anything." And I was like. I want to be the best player that's ever played. Like, doesn't every kid want to do that? Like, and he was like, no, write that down. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I felt like I always wanted to play pro. And then, you know, talking with, talking with people throughout my college career, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, you, you have to, you have to give it a go. You'll regret it if you don't. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's basically about it. I mean, I, I never, I always kind of thought that that was plan A. So you mentioned, you know, when that first tournament of the spring, your senior year, that those thoughts were kind of creeping in your mind. You may have felt some anxiety about that decision, but you ultimately decided to turn pro and you had some really good success right out of the gate. You qualified for the uh, Corrales Punta Cana, I believe it was, and you finished top 10 in that event, which is a incredible start to your pro career so talk about how that started yeah so i you know fresh out of college in 2018 played in some mini tour events played in barbasol on sponsor you know and, and it was more or less the same like hey you know i i can sense that i have the talent to be out here um it's more about just playing good at the right time getting your chance and all that and then i go to q school that fall and miss second stage by God knows how many shots. I don't even remember. Like I was like, I was like one of three people that shot over par for the week, I think, or something like that. And 19 under got through. So again, that was just another dose of reality. Like it's hard. And, um, and at that point, um, I was, I was working with, with a swing coach at the time. And, and, you know, we kind of got serious about some, some stuff for the future. And, uh, you know, it was fairly simple stuff, but I had never had lessons in anything like that. So I was a little, a little skeptical at first, but, um, what, you know, he told me one thing with, with my body 
on the back with my lower body on the back swing and it just clicked. And, um, you know, from once I figured that out and, you know, a month or two, I just, I just started hitting it so much better and so much more consistent because I was, I was a little bit of a wild card before that, to be honest. Um, you know, I could, could handle the moment and the, you know, could win a tournament, but I couldn't necessarily put the consistent play together. So then I come out in 2019 with no status anywhere, just playing in anything I can play in. And I just happened to be staying with a buddy down in Florida, get through the pre-queue, the Monday queue for that tournament. And, uh, you know, just went down there and had um, and had another buddy caddy for me. And we were just, I mean, honestly, we were just down there to have a good time and maybe make a cut and cash a check. And then, you know, we're teeing off early on Sunday because we're in 50, 50th or 55th place or whatever. And, you know, I look up on hole 15 and I had made six birdies in a row on seven through 12 and was like up at the lead. And I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> let's hang on here. Let's not screw this up. You know, at, at the at the end of the round, you know, um, people were coming up and, you know, interviewing me and, and you know, stuff like that. So it was really it was just really cool. Um, and I think going in there with not a with not a lot of expectations really helped. Tell us a little more about, you know, you got to, you got to Q school and all of a sudden you kind of met a buzzsaw and you're like, man, like th this, this can be hard. Tell us about what that was like and kind of how that affected the rest of your career as far as how you approached each day and how you kind of handled uh, Q school and other events like that going forward. It goes back to what I just, to what I just said in the, in the, I think the last comment I just said about expectations, I just, I had so much expectations in second stage of Q school because I had, I had finished second and first in the first stage of Q school. And the guy that beat me was Jared Wolf, who been around forever. Good guy, you know, talked with him, you know, still talk with him a little bit every now and then about stuff. So I think just the expectations of like, yeah, you know, you, you belong out there. You should, you should be out there. Found out really quickly. That's, that's not the mindset to have, especially in Q school. It is, it is a Jim Valvano, NC State, survive and advance mindset, and that is it. Nothing else matters. But then going forward into other, you know, into other events that, you know, you cast checks and, you know, you want to play well in, it, it still helps to just not have so much expectations of, you know, you have to do this, or, you know, you know, you have to make the cut here, you have to win, you know, you have to, you know, you have to prove to everyone that you belong out here. Um, because there, there are just thousands of stories of guys that, you know, miss eight cuts in a row and all of a sudden they win. So I just tried to hold on. I just tried to hold on to those, to those stories going forward. And yeah, as you said, like it's, it's hard with those expectations of you belong out there, but to a degree you weren't, you weren't that wrong. Cause soon after, um, in, in total since, since, um, this was back in, 2018 you went pro and now 2023 you're assistant coach at EKU but in the meantime you played 11 events on the PGA Tour you played some on the Corn Ferry and also played some on the PGA Tour Canada and on the PGA Tour you made eight out of the 11 you made eight cuts out of the 11 tournaments that you played in so once you got out there tell us about what what it was like you know playing in the PGA tour events and how you kind of got out there and started getting to play in a few. 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're really awesome events to play in. <laughs> um, you know, um, it's uh, it's uh, it's unlike anything I've ever really experienced. Guys are just the guys are just so good, and it's they're honestly they're honestly super nice out there. And and I mean, you can tell that like, you know, they're they're coaching themselves on you know limiting their expectations and you know trying to you know disassociate their self worth with golf and stuff like that. Then I got back on the on the Corn Ferry tour, and it was a li- it was a little bit like, you know, everyone was kind of like, you know, I don't belong here. I don't belong. I belong on the PGA tour. So it was it was very different, um, you know. And that's and I think that's a big reason why there are some guys that have all the talent in the world, work hard, and and end up not making it. Um, I like to think I like to think I'm not one of those guys. I like to think I just for some reason didn't make it, but um, I'm sure there's a little bit of that in there. One of our first episodes, we interviewed Jacob Cook, who caddied for you when you were on that stretch of playing in all those PGA Tour events, and he talked about one round at the Travelers, I believe, where you were paired up with Brooks Kepka when he was number one in the world. What did you learn from that experience? Um, I, I still remember us sitting in the hotel room when we got the text. Like, we looked at each other like, "Oh my god, this is awesome! This is, you know, this is gonna be crazy." And then, and then we get there on Saturday, and we didn't see him on the range. He rolled up to the first tee and just pegged it, and like the level, you know, the level of care he had for that round was like less than zero. You know, which at the time, you're kind of like, man, that you know, that's dumb. Like you, sh- you know, you should, you know, you should still care. It's a PGA Tour event, but you know, looking at it now, you know, he was the number one player in the world. You know, he just, you know, he ended up almost winning the U.S. Open like the next year or whatever. It's just, it kind of made me realize that like pro golf is such a marathon. And just, you know, you can get so mentally fatigued with it if you, you know, care about every single shot, every single round like that. And it's it's kind of made me realize that you have to do that in practice so you can go out there on the course and, and almost be on autopilot a little bit. Because if not, playing – 30 to 40 weeks a year like it's just it's mentally un, unsustainable yeah you so you're talking about you know how pro golf is a marathon and that one year you played on corn Ferry tour was actually ended up being two years because of covid and you ended up playing 40 events in one corn Ferry tour season so if you're ever going to have a marathon type mindset that was that was the time to have it and uh how did you manage to keep up that mindset and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, it was very hard. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I failed at keeping that mindset many, many times throughout the year. It was a it was a very difficult thing because this is the first year out there. I'd never seen any of the golf courses. And uh but the first part of it, they had like makeshift tournaments that other guys out there hadn't seen either. So I actually did better at that part of it. So, you know, the first part of the wraparound year, I was I was a little bit more prepared for it because I was fine being, you know, uncomfortable in it. And and everyone there was kind of uncomfortable because they were having an events in San Antonio and 
you know, places they had never gone. And then the next part of the year, uh, we, we got started back in, in places that I had never been, kind of golf courses that are just okay. And, you know, guys out there had seen them three, four, or five times that I had never seen them before. And I kind of had the mindset of like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to play holes every practice round day. You know, I need to, you know, prepare. I need to, you know, catch up. And, and, and uh, you know, I was not rested well enough for some tournaments. It's, it's always funny. Every time we had like a week off, I'd go to the next tournament and play good, <laughs> you know, because it's kind of more let you know, it's more what I was used to with college and, and junior golf and stuff like that. But it was, it also forced me to, you know, not kill myself during the practice rounds, trying to catch up to learn the golf course. And just, you know, at home, I was working hard and working smart on the stuff that I needed to work on. It's hard when you play on the corner fair or any tour like that, because in PGA tour, because you got status on the line and you know, you got to play in, uh, you got to play good in some events and the fewer events that you play in, the better you got to play. And on the other side, the more events you play in, the more tired you're going to generally be over the course of a season. So it's a tough, it's a tough balance to strike. One other experience that you had, I know was you played at Pebble beach in the U S open, I believe, cause I think my parents bumped into you or at least cookie out there. Some tell us about what getting into that tournament was like, and then your experience there. Yeah. I mean, that was that to this day, that's probably my favorite experience in golf. Um, you know, I, I don't even think I'd, I, I guess I had been to California before that, but never been to Pebble Beach, unbelievable place at an unbelievable tournament. You know, it was, it was perfect. Um, there were so many people there. Like it, it, it felt like it's the closest thing to a Super Bowl I'm ever going to experience, you know. Um, I remember the uh, I, I walk off 18 on Friday, and I'm not sure if I'm going to make the cut or not. And my, and my dad gives me a hug and was like, you know, I'm so proud of you and thank you for, you know, bringing me here because this is somewhere I've always wanted to come. And, like, I mean, my dad's the – he's the toughest guy I know. And he's like, Oh, you know, he's almost in tears. Um, so that was just that, that, you know, to this day, that's one of my favorite experiences in golf. Was it the hardest setup? I mean, I'm sure it was the hardest setup you played. And so what did you learn like game, uh, golf wise, you know, from playing that incredibly difficult setup? Yeah. Um, the, the rough was, uh, the rough was, the rough was really thick. I mean, it's, it's a kind of, kind of displays what the USGA wants. I mean, they want, you know, firm and fast greens, thick rough, you know, they want you to be able to control your ball, which I, which I liked, um, you know, it, it was refreshing to me to not have to birdie every hole to kind of keep up with the field. You know, you would miss a fairway, hack it up there somewhere around the green, get up and down. And, you know, you felt like you gained shots on the field um, at the time, at the time it kind of, made me think that my game was suited for, you know, major championship golf. Um, you know, obviously right now it, it hasn't played out that way, but at the time it did make me believe that like, I, you know, 
I could get out there and if, you know, if I continue to work hard and stuff like that, I could, you know, compete, with, you know, compete in the majors. So you played in that event. And then as we talked about, you played uh, some of the, you've played on PGA tour, corn Ferry. you played a few on Canadian. Now you're assistant coach at EKU. What led you to say, Hey, I'd like to go start in a coaching position now. This opportunity just opened up and, um, you know, I just applied for it, interviewed for it. it. Seemed like something I would like. You know, I was, you know, I didn't apply for any other coaching job. If I didn't get it, I was still probably going to be playing. But I was just, I was just struggling a little bit with, with putting in the the time that you have to put in to play pro golf, especially at home, which is something I had never, I'd never experienced before. I'd never had to force myself to to practice and put in the time. So I just kind of thought, well, I'll look at this and see how it is, you know, see how I like it and stuff like that. Um, Cause at the very least I feel like I need a break. <laughs> you know, you've been, you've been going at it hundred percent for four years of college, four years of pro pro golf. And like, you know, at the very least you probably, you probably need to do so. You probably need to do something else. <laughs> no, it's something that I experienced as well. My very short stint playing pro golf and uh, I never reached the levels that you've reached. But at, at a certain point, I realized, you know, this isn't the life that I want to live for an extended period of time. Um, so it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. What are you f- focusing on with your players uh, for the upcoming college season? And, you know, how are you using your experience and your knowledge to help them out to be ready? Yeah, I'm just I'm really trying to, to harp on them kind of the things that they need to focus on, you know, kind of the working smart part of it, because that was a big resource that I had in college. And it's very easy to to work hard on the wrong things. So that, you know, that's what I, you know, try to tell them every day is, you know, don't get so caught up in everything that you forget the most important things. So, I mean, that's that's really the biggest thing that I tell them right now. Yeah, I can imagine it's a big boon for them to have you as a coach because most of the time, you know, you have assistant coaches that come in, but very few assistant coaches come in and have the experience that you've had as well as the combined skill set. Frankly, I can ma- I imagine you can probably still beat most of your players if you went out there and played them straight up. So do you ever when you're when you're working with them to focus on the most important thing, what are those most important things that you try to get them to identify? Well, with with the current team that I have, it's it's not um it's not strive it's trying to get them to not strive for perfection. You know, there's there's cert you know, there's generally speaking with the current teams that I that I work with, um they're very focused on being perfect. You know, me play you know, me playing with them now is a good example because I I do not hit every shot solid, I don't hit every shot perfect, and I still score. So that's you know, that that's the biggest thing. Um there's there's a certain player, you know, I'm I'm not gonna mention names, but you know, is all the time like you know, trying to, trying to hit these shots and, you know, and I'm just like, man, like, I don't even, I don't even think Tiger in his prime would have this much going on in his head right now. Just, you know, just hit the shot that you know you can hit 
it's okay to make par. Like it's okay. It, it's fine. You know, it's, you know, especially if we're on a golf course that, you know, you're going to have scoring opportunities and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's okay to, it's okay to not be perfect. That's one of the things that I think is nice about, you know, having played other sports, playing basketball growing up, like, Maybe, okay, maybe, you know, leading up to a game or something like that, you might work on your form or something like that. But when you get out there, like, nobody really cares, like, how you're shooting or anything like that. Like, the ball just has to go in the bucket. It's it's as simple, it's as, simple as that. There are guys out there that have shots that look super broke, but uh, ball, ball goes in the bucket and all you can do is say, hey, I got to guard him better. So when you're out there playing, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you don't have to – when you're over, when you're over the ball, when you're hitting those shots, it's not as much. Oh, I need to hit a twenty-yard cut or five-yard cut or whatever. I need to work the ball both ways, et cetera. It's just get the ball in the hole, keep it simple, stupid. So I, I like that perspective. Taking all of that, let's kind of go back to our or go to our final question. We ask every guest, which is if you go back to yourself as a junior golfer and tell yourself just one thing, what would that one thing be? I would tell myself to find every way possible to be positive, like especially about things that don't, that do not matter. I see it now with my players, coworkers, you know, everyone, I see it all the time, you know, people, my family, friends, like, you know, they're just getting so riled up about stuff that just does not matter. And, you know, it's like, you know, that, and I was like that too. I mean, so that, you know, that's what I would tell 17, 18 year old Chip is like, man, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can't control. There's going to be a lot of stuff that, you know, you have a little bit of control over, but they don't matter. Um, so just don't worry about that. Do the things that you think you need to do to be successful. And, um, and nothing else really matters. And most of the time, it's be, being more positive is a way to do that. That's perfect. Well, if people want to find you on social media, reach out to you, ask you more questions, et cetera, where can they do that? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm, I'm on Instagram if, if you don't have Twitter. So those are, those are probably the best two ways. And for context, be sure to give Chip follow at ChippyMac22 on Instagram and Twitter. And then for us, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating. That helps us get our message out to more people. And then you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we are the tournament code. And on Twitter, we are tournament code. 